This episode of the podcast is with my friend Ashmael, aka Devin Divine333 on Instagram. And Ashmael is an exotic dancer and healer. And she and I met a little over a year ago at a Tantra retreat. And then we randomly ran into each other again at another Tantra retreat in a totally different part of the world. That was in Thailand. The first one was in California. And then we both signed up for the same Tantra retreat again a year later in Arizona, which was last week. I mean, other than the serendipity of us signing up for the same things, we're also become good friends. And we speak about a variety of things in the beginning and the end of this retreat that Burgess at, which was awesome. It's called ISTA, International School of the Temple Arts. There's a Tantra, obviously a Tantra retreat. I said that a million times already. What was cool was that about a year ago, since the last thing I went to, I was kind of like, I think I'm done with personal development workshops, especially things regarding sexuality and especially, especially spirituality. I kind of rolled my eyes when people bring up divine shamanic Thing, words like that, I'm kind of moving away from mysticism. However, I will say this was an awesome, awesome training, very experiential, went really deep with emotional release tools, which I think are super practical. And it was a lot of fun. So Ashmi and I speak about our thoughts going into it. We speak for, uh, I think, like 40 minutes on day one of the retreat. And we speak again at the end. And this is all edited together. As you know, you know how podcasts work. So I uh, hope you enjoy this one. It was very fun. She's awesome. This is episode 043, Spiritual sexual shamanic experience featuring Ashmail. You're listening to the Rwando Podcast, Perpetual Orgasm, Infinite Play. Please subscribe on iTunes and enjoy the show. Say something? Something. Okay. We can pick you up. So we're here in Oracle, Arizona at ISTA Level 1. Uh, we met some time ago. We could get into backstory or not. Um, but something we have in common is cult stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we could start with that or not. Okay. Yeah. Oh, actually, what I do want to talk to you about, since it's more timely, is you recently came out about your life. Do you oh, want, yeah. Do you, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, you know, around the same time that I... <clears throat> Wow, we're really getting into it. Uh, we don't have to. Just... <laughs> we can get into it. We can get into it. Um, yeah, I was I was pimped out, and I was a sex worker um, at eighteen, hmm. and uh, but mostly I was doing erotic massage, mm-hmm. and it was actually my clients that were like, "Wow, you're actually really good at doing a massage," and so it's what actually compelled me to become a healer and go to massage therapy school and study energy healing and. Um, so I became a professional, you know, massage therapist and energy healer. I had stopped doing sex work, but it seemed like always this thing that would stop, it would creep up in some capacity. Um, I would stop being a healer and I would be dancing and then I would go back and forth. And over the years, as I've gone back into the loop, there's been a level of healing and deeper understanding. And when I started, uh, this last time when I started uh, studying Tantra, because I felt some connection, you know, with the healing of sexual energy um could be you know because i would be giving like a private lap dance and i'd be like running reiki and feeling the breath moving and energies moving and um and i just realized it's uh it's something we need we need sexual healing because the only education we really get around sex is with porn or sex ed and then it's like that's pretty much it and there's Mm -hmm. just like a lot of religion permeating our culture and we need people that really understand the sacredness of it to teach us 
And so um, I, I got into it for my own healing, but um, now I'm feeling called to raise awareness and be a teacher. So I'm an exotic dancer, and that's been very healing for me to be seen fully naked um, on stage. And instead of being secretive about it and not telling people and trying to portray this image of purity of only being oh, a which healer. Which is boring. Which is boring. <laughs> In one way, I started putting pictures of myself uh, dancing on a pole and talking about the the significance of that. So um, that was a big step for me to come out. What? So I, I, a lot of my friends are dancers and or sex workers, mm -hmm. and a lot of them are hidden. Most of them are hidden. Yeah. And I'm not one to tell them, oh, you should not be hidden because obviously, you know, it's not my life. There's right. a lot of risk and I get that. Right. But every time someone does come out, I do see that they're just like way, it's just like, it just, you get to be integrated. Exactly. And I, I think that like, it kind of reinforces some shame level, even if it's other people's shame projected on you. Totally. So I'm curious about your process because I'm sure it was challenging mm -hmm. to like go from not out to out. Um, I think it's about being ready to step into leadership because mm -hmm. you have to be, I I'll speak from, for myself, you know, I had to be sturdy enough in my, uh, conviction that what I'm doing is right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, enough that whatever anyone might project onto me or however it's triggering them is not going to knock me out of my center. What do you think led to that in you? Because I, I reflected some changes. I met we met like a year ago, right? Yeah. This is basically, the second time, or maybe the third time. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing you, and I noticed there's certain things different about you, but also like in the way you carry yourself, mm -hmm. you seem to doubt yourself a lot when we met in Thailand. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a situation or just that period of your life, but something's different. Yeah. Um. Well, what I've learned through tantra and just my own uh, exploration and just kind of just pushing past fear and doing what I want to do, um, coming out the other end of that is that I actually knew the truth about this creative force called sexuality from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it's always been other people's viewpoints mm -hmm. that confused me that I should hide myself that, you know, people sexualizing my naked body, um, being physically abused, being repressed, you know, uh, and then, you know, being in abusive relationships where men are like putting me down and like, you know, affecting my self-esteem. Um, this healing process has, has really been a, a process of peeling away layers that were imposed by society, religion, uh, other people's, you know, woundedness and separateness. So the truth is, you know, I'm not ashamed of my sexuality. When I was 14, I gave two boys a blowjob at the same time. And I loved it. I was going back and forth. And then afterwards, I was describing to them what their cum tasted like. And it was mm -hmm. just so fun. It was so fun, you know. And then all of a sudden, um, I started hearing people around my small hometown that I lived in calling me a slut. And um, I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness and I was homeschooled. And I had to ask someone, what's slut? And mm -hmm. it was like, oh, and I'm like, oh, I should be ashamed. I shouldn't be exploring was this just like in that. the jehovah's witness community or no it was like you know overall you uh -huh. know overlapping with kids in my in my town um but you know the truth is is like we should be able to explore and play in whatever way is authentic mm -hmm. for us and i i want to be uh, i want to show people that that it's not wrong to be naked to enjoy dancing naked to be sexual you know to love sexually it's, it's not wrong. It's right. Yeah. Yeah. But not only is society thinking the opposite, uh, you grew up in a particularly challenging 
environment, I'd imagine, for that kind of viewpoint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I feel like this is becoming an interview just oh. about me. Oh, yeah, we don't have to. I'm, I'm just so curious. These are yeah, questions no, I have about I, I'm, I'm happy to answer it. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, well, I was um, physically uh, and sexually abused. Uh, I'm a, I guess you could say a survivor of incest. And um, there was also a lot of sexual repression. I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness, and they have some interesting ideas about how sexuality is to be expressed. It's to be expressed only in a marriage. And they teach that your body isn't your own. It belongs to your husband. Hmm. And, the, and the husband's body belongs to the wife which is ludicrous, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so it's taken me a long time. It's taken me years to, uh, find the truth, which is, it's so fucked up. Can I say that for you? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so fucked up because <laughs> we have an explicit thing on iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, it's, uh, they, yeah, they call it, uh, it, with Jehovah's Witnesses, they say, um, they call it the truth. They say that the religion is the truth, and um, guess what? It's not the truth. And um, I've taken quite a bit of ayahuasca. I would say I had a lot of deep cleaning I needed to do, and so that's what really catapulted my journey. Mm. Um, but I could see the uh, the program of the Jehovah's Witness uh, deeply entrenched in my energy field and hanging on, you know, with claws um, in me because it, it and it's so asked backwards from the truth. It's the mm -hmm. exact opposite. It's completely disempowering. Um, you're taught that you're, you're imperfect and you're a sinner and, uh, not to be worldly, you know, all these, you know, not to explore, ask questions and, uh, just taking that out of my energy field. Like the next day I felt more free, more open to move in my body than I had ever felt in my entire life. Hmm. Yeah. We were talking about this last night like how like even when you take a workshop which we're here to take a workshop mm -hmm. you're kind of like intentionally adopting someone else's reality because mm -hmm. hopefully it makes things better for you mm -hmm. but it's important to not just drink it without uh thought yeah at some point point. and i yeah. think discernment is something that takes a while to cultivate mm -hmm. right yeah but it, one thing that kind of fucks with my mind is like you're discerning things based on your perspective and your perspective has been doctored by every single person who's influenced you up to then. So is there anything that's really yours? I think with that for me, and that's, that's a really good point. And I've thought about that as well. Like I'm still looking at this viewpoint from my own lens, from my own experience. But, um, I mean, when I sit and meditate and I drop into my body, my breath, I can, I do, I can actually hear my heart and my spirit. And sometimes it's like contradictory to what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And so if I really take that moment, I really do think that, that there is actually um, original thought. But you don't really know, right? Uh, I mean, I, think, I, guess I, I guess I believe that I do know. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess that's good enough, right? Yeah, like, but, I, but I, it's still a belief. Because right? what, what is truth, right? It's whatever you decide. <laughs> well, that's something we were talking about, right? We mm -hmm. were trying to decide what is truth. Yeah. Because I've seen things on ayahuasca journeys, and I've had friends tell me about things, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that was a projection based on a TV show you watch. Like even when I, <laughs> even, when I when, even when I see something like um, I've had, I could go into specifics, but like very much mirrored by the movies I saw that month, like the images I saw, and maybe yeah. the meaning was something 
cosmically true and objective. But the way it came to me was through like this one time. So guilt is a, I don't don't know much about the Enneagram, but I've been told I'm a three. I don't know if you do. I don't know what that is. Oh, it's, it's a personality typing. So like people who are intuitive told me that I repress guilt. Like that's one emotion I try to avoid. Oh, so I don't know, ayahuasca journey where I had the entire time I was feeling guilty for every murder, every rape, every like, you know, child who died young. Like I, I felt like it was my fault. Mm-hmm. And I was seeing images from a documentary I just watched, The Vice Guide to Liberia, where there was rape and murder and children. Right. And, and I was like, oh, this is my fault. Oh, my God. And then um, when it came out, I was like, oh, yeah, well, that came from the documentary I just watched. Right. Yeah. But the emotion maybe was what I needed to deal with. Maybe so. And, or maybe you attracted watching that movie and having the experience of people telling you that so that you would be prepared when you went into do ayahuasca to maybe. work through that. Yeah. I needed some, some, some visuals. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I've questioned that about ayahuasca too. Yeah. Cause I've had friends. I mean, I had a friend who was like absolutely certain she was molested as an infant. Cause that's what she saw during an ayahuasca journey. <sighs> that's dangerous. Yeah. And I was like, you might have been, maybe you are recovering a memory that you didn't remember when you were eight months old, but maybe this is a representation of the emotions you feel towards that family member mm-hmm. and it's coming out in this way. Like, I don't think we can use an ayahuasca journey as evidence of something that happens. <laughs> oh, well, necessarily. That's, that's like, I've seen so many times of like someone having a crush on someone mm-hmm. and then seeing something about it in ceremony and taking it as a sign that they're supposed to we're soulmates trust me the plant told yeah, me so <laughs> exactly and then that takes the responsibility away from them yeah and it's like no the medicine told me this is destiny this is you know and then it turns into some big thing i've seen it ruin relationships or just like just yeah you have to look for the metaphor because i think that's how it speaks like i don't know if i told you this so after i had an abortion experience did i tell you this Mm-mm. i had an ayahuasca journey and like the entire journey was like an 18-year montage of me raising this child from like birth to him being 18. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole time I was like, oh, shit, like that was the – this." I, I just jumped into a different reality where we had the child and like, you know, what? ah, oh, I miss it. But then I was like, maybe this is just my subconscious trying to give me catharsis, so I let it go. Hmm. They both could be true. Yeah. Maybe they both are true at the same time. But, um, yeah. Not taking it literally. Yeah. So I shouldn't miss my son, Francisco, because I wouldn't name him that. (laughs) (laughs) Francisco was the guy who sold me my car right before the journey. So I think that's where where it came from. Yeah. See, I really have a lot of appreciation um, for that medicine. But my person, I think everyone has their own relationship with it. Mm -hmm. And my personal journey with her was um, she taught me how to not need her. Hmm. Um, It actually helped me to really tap into my own. Uh, intuition, my psychic abilities, and <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> hello, <laughs> um, saying hello to a friend walking by. Yeah, it just it just taught me to trust my own sense of self, and uh, I think there is a certain consciousness that comes with plant medicines, you know. So uh, don't make anything your god. Yeah. You, ultimately, you are the medicine, and right. come, you know, right. it's not just one way. Yeah. During that journey, I actually got a really clear sign towards the end. Don't come back to spirit world. Like that's I not think your you path. told me about that, that. Yeah. And then I, I, I had one more journey. I didn't feel like it, but you know, the church of Santo Daime is a different way of taking it. Oh, and I, have I was there and I was that. like, yeah, uh, I'm never going to, I mean, I'm not going to be in Peru again for a long time. This is a unique thing. Let me check this out. And it was the most painful experience ever. Was it? Yeah. The one before that was the most pleasurable hallucinogenic experience I ever had. And it's like, this is your last one. 
It'll come back. I didn't <laughs> like, listen, right. so I think I'm going to listen Oh, now. Yeah, that's right. You didn't listen, and then it sucked, right? Yeah. Well, actually, you know, ayahuasca was actually what led me to, to talk to her. Hmm. Um, I was having, like, just uh, so many uh, sexual experiences on it, sexually healing experiences. And the medicine was like, this is Tantra. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is yummy. Wait, can I ask you, like, oh, no, sorry, I'm taking off my backpack in case you hear weird sounds. Um, what were those experiences like? Were they, like... Did you feel like were you well, with something or I was I had left a, a long relationship, a long monogamous relationship that uh, someone I lived with, we were engaged, we owned a house together and I was dating and like I was starting to like see my codependency and the ways that I like maybe would jump into a sexual relationship with someone too soon and like when is it okay? When is it not? Is it right to be polyamorous? Is it right to be monogamous? You know, it was like trying to figure out what, what it all, you know, what it all means, what's right, what's wrong for me. And she was just showing me how, like, if there is, um, if there's love and respect and communication and consent and, you know, if it feels right with your mind and your body and your heart, then it's good, you know? And if it, that's the agreement between you and she was kind of showing me how you can uh, play with energies, then I was like, this is so interesting. And then I had another experience where I went into the void of the universe and, uh, and uh, this pink uh, energy came out of it and it was moving my body. I was flailing around and I was completely terrified of it. And she said, this energy has the ability to heal you if you let it. And I was feeling very vulnerable and embarrassed because I thought I was going to have a full body orgasm during ceremony. Hmm. So I was trying to make sure I wasn't talking. Sometimes it's hard to like tell where you, you talk during your sleep. I know. We're, we're, and, we're, we're, we're roommates during this uh, adventure. And yeah. And someone was, in the room was making like fun, giggly, running around sounds. <laughs> I wasn't sure who it was. But, I think it was me. Yeah. yeah. And it's I, that's another thing I question too. Is like, why are we afraid of someone hearing us being in pleasure? You know, mm -hmm. like what would that trigger for? Right. Because you could be in pain and no one cares. You don't care. Right. right? But if you're like breathing in ecstasy, then that's yeah. so offensive, you know? Yeah, I think it's because it's the same reason why people don't want to be too powerful. Like, you're afraid that you having something is going to make the other person not okay. have. It's like a scarcity of you energy. You think that's what it is? I think so. It's like, I notice, like, if I'm speaking too loudly or I'm feeling too confident around friends who aren't, then I kind of feel bad. Or if I'm making more money than people I'm with, I'm like, right. oh, I kind of feel, feel like bad. Right, you feel like you need to, like, hide it's like, it. Oh, because, like, me having means they don't have. That's not true. That's just the scarcity. It's not true. Yeah, it's just the scarcity it's economical thinking when it comes to not money. Can you talk about what, like, what did you, did you start in a cult or were you raised in one? Or? No, no, I went in as an adult. Were you raised religiously? Adult. I was raised Buddhist and Catholic at the same time. Really? So I neither one, well, neither one of them stuck and I became very critical of adults because of it. Okay. So can you talk about that? Yeah. That? So every, um, my dad's Buddhist and my mom's Catholic, but not really more culturally Catholic. Like when my grandma died, we stopped going to church, but until then we went every Sunday and, um, my parents were, you know, liberals. They didn't like force me to be one or the other, but I did both. And I was like, both like the authority figures in my life were saying contradictory things. So for a while it's like every adult is bullshit or everyone telling me what to right. do is bullshit. 
but then I was an atheist for a while. But then I went into a phase where I was like, well, they both could be true. I mean, it's not like if you take it literally, obviously they can't fit. But like if you look at the metaphor and what they're really saying, which is just be a good person. Right. Like, it's just different stories of getting at the same thing. Right. So that's why flash forward many years, I can go into a cult knowing it's a cult and still be like, you know what? What they're saying might not literally be true, but it's making me feel really good. Yeah. So I'm going to go do that. Yeah. And then I lost my mind and that was different. That was, that was an unexpected consequence, but. <laughs> well, what do you mean you lost your mind? Well, to a degree. I mean, I mean, I use the word brainwashing like very loosely, but like the analogy I use is like knowing how alcohol works doesn't prevent you from getting drunk. So like I went in, I was like, okay, they use this manipulation tactic and this, and not that I was an expert, but I knew a few things. I took psych 101 and, um, knowing what's happening, knowing what they're doing to you doesn't change anything. It's like. Like if you know that you're going to be emotional after you have sex with someone, knowing that doesn't prevent you from being emotional. Right. right? Like, like, you know, you're making that decision. You know, what's good, what's going to happen. Yeah. So to think like, oh, I know what's going to happen. So it's not going to happen. It's foolish. Right. Yeah. Cause like, your emotions don't listen to that. So like over time, my way of thinking changed in those two years to the point where what I was critical of, I was now an evangelist for mm-hmm. like a year later. Mm. And I was a really good evangelist because I could relate to the people who were skeptical. And that's what they used me for, okay. which I'm very proud of. I smile when I think about <laughs> manipulation because I like the dark side. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that you admit that because we all do to a degree. Mm-hmm. I always think we all swing both ways to a certain extent. It's the fun you know? side. It's well, it <laughs> I is mean, you know, within like, balance within, you know, and I, I used to have a lot of reason. shame that I liked, I liked playing on that side, but I do. Um, I think it's like being ashamed of it or acting like we don't that, makes it truly dark, right? That's dishonest. That's yeah. subcon- it's unconscious. You know? Yeah. Cause you look at like the child molesters in the news, they all had like, uh, like the Sanduskies or the, the Catholic priests, like they were preaching one thing and doing the opposite mm-hmm. as opposed to someone who's like a horn dog publicly. You're, n- you're never going to, you never see those people having some weird perversion with children later because everything's out. Yes. There's and no shame. Exactly. Yeah. And the way that I like to put it is like, it comes out sideways yeah. if you're not just authentic about it. So, um, I love, I have this energy that needs an outlet. It really does. I mean, when I go on stage, something else, I mean, I'm, I'm big, I'm loud, I'm bold and, um, I love it. And I, I have a need to like really express that to its full extent. And I love it. Um, and when I have repressed it, it's come out on like, you know, binging on alcohol or, uh, becoming angry and throwing things or, um, health issues, like not being able to sleep, like really, you know, self-destructive patterns. And, uh, we all need some type of outlet. That's why I think yeah. that BDSM as a modality for healing and expression is actually you know, that's a thing. It's a big thing. And I think it's just, it can be just as healing as Tantra, depending totally. on where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my ropes are half my suitcase. Are they <laughs> And really? they feel like a sacred thing. Like I don't use them that much, but like, I feel like I need, you know, you, know, you have them in case you, yeah. And it goes on my altar at home. It's like, yeah. it's like a holy, I have Christian Louboutins on my altar. At home. <laughs> <laughs> the Christian what? Christian Louboutins. Oh, is that the red bottom heels? Oh, I have no idea what that is. Yeah. Oh, red bottom heels. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of that. Red bottom heels. Okay. Sweet. And they're they're right next to my sacred sexuality books and yeah. my yoni eggs and Courtesan's journey. 
What? Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Coined by Regina Thomas Hauer, who has the School of Womanly Arts. It's like, you know, a sexually empowering. Oh, yeah, women. I have heard of that. Yeah, well, she takes, I think I think she's getting it from Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, which is very male-oriented. But The Courtesan's Journey is like, like in Paris in the, in the during the Renaissance, I think, uh, the only women with power were the courtesans, were the were the prostitutes. Oh. Like everyone, no one else could own property, but if you had sex for money, you could have your own apartment. Oh. Those are the only women, and it's a different kind of it's feminine power. Like you're not commanding an army, but you're commanding the hearts of men who command armies. Right, right. Yeah. I think I have actually heard of that. It sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, well, it sounds like that's what you're on. So, um, yeah, I, you know, it feels it feels powerful, and um, you know, we used to have mystery schools and things like that. You know, witches have been burned at the cross for exploring these uh, other ways and energies, and so I think it's just like bringing it back. I feel, I feel incredibly blessed to have shed these layers at a relatively young age and to be walking on this path with that I am. So acetone just like burns off the nails. Is that what happened? Yeah. So I'm taking, Ashmael's taking off her, her nails. Yeah. I'm taking my acrylic nails off, which I had on, uh, for a photo shoot and I'm sick of them. So I'm taking them off and I'm soaking my nails in acetone. I've never seen this done before. <laughs> so interesting, right? Yeah. So what made you want to, so what was the name of the cult that you were in? One Taste. One Taste. And how long were you in it and what made you want to leave it? Two years. And I knew I had to leave eventually because there's a lot of people, the people who I looked up to called themselves lifers, which meant they no longer had worldly possessions. They were just in it for life. And that was the direction the organization was moving. And um, I wanted, I went in because I wanted to like take what I could take, you know, for my life, for mm -hmm. my career, for whatever books I would write. Um, and I was trying to skip, I don't know if it was like, I mean, actually, I don't know. In, in, in this cult and in many cults, there's like a power hierarchy. Uh, mine was a matriarchy, so it was less explicit, but still like the more, the more approval and status you got, the more committed you had to be, which is like, which is like a lot of things. Right. Yeah. So usually people would get deeper status by paying money or committing more of their life. Um, I didn't have any more money because I lost it pretty quickly, but I was trying to get access to the guru directly by writing a book with her. So like giving her value and then get direct. Mm -hmm. So like that didn't fly in the organization because you, normally people would spend like a hundred thousand dollars to spend time with her. A hundred thousand. I'm exaggerating like 40. Okay. Um, <laughs> still $40,000. Um, and, uh, so she said, cause she was always the holy face, right? She, she had other people doing the dark stuff. So she said yes to that. But then every, all of her disciples are putting a lot of pressure on me to commit my life. It's basically like for me to get that much access, I need to be all in. They don't want me to take the, the fruits and then leave. So, <laughs> so, wow. so eventually I got an ultimatum from the group in front of like 200 people. Like either you're with us, you're not. And I, you know, it kind of fucked me up because for two years, this was my family. Like right. I lived with them. I, I had other friends, but they, they're harder to relate to during this time. So I, I didn't really hang out with them. Mm -hmm. Um, they were the people I, yeah, everything. And then all of a sudden I had to choose between that and having a normal life ever again. Mm. So I chose obviously the normal life and then I got excommunicated. Wow. So they completely disowned you. Yeah. I see. Yeah. But it wasn't as explicit as like a church because those are all patriarchal organizations. Like right. women do things subtly. So like on the surface, it probably didn't look like anything. On the surface, it looked like I left. Mm -hmm. But really what they did is they cut all of my social ties 
So I couldn't do anything. I couldn't stay. It just felt so so awkward. Right. It's like that witchy, like get them to do what you want to do, what you want them to do on their own idea. Exactly. Thing. So, have you? Do you watch Game of Thrones? I have. I've seen it, and I actually do a a, a, a right. dragon set inspired by the Game of Thrones. So. Right, Mother of Dragons. I saw yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Great. Um. Well, anyway, have you seen the Red Wedding episode? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, anyway. This episode came out on Game of Thrones, and then like a week later, they did something very similar. Where like basically it's a betrayal, and like this guy shows up to the wedding and realizes all his friends have turned against him, and they kill his family and stuff. I went to a house meeting, and I found out that over the last two weeks, they had been convincing all of my people to turn on me all at once. So I show up to this like to, I show up to my home, and I find out that by myself essentially. Wow. And um, yeah, so I had to leave. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> I can relate. Um, when I, when it came out that I had lost my virginity, um, they publicly humiliated me on stage. They, what they do is when you get in trouble, they say such and such has been reproved. So to let everyone know that you've been punished and you're kind of like, (laughs) you know, you kind of marked on the forehead with like sinner fornicator, whatever it may be. Um, and then, you know, the church actually tried to hide it that, I mean, I disassociated myself and so did everyone in my family, but in order to protect the reputation of the church, they said that we had been disfellowshipped. Like, so your whole family left? Because yeah, eventually. Uh-huh. Um, I, me and my oldest brother were the first to go, and then everyone started to kind of follow suit. Um, were your parents in it, though? Still? Yeah, my dad, no. Okay. No. My dad was an elder, though, so okay. it was kind of a big deal. I mean, we, every, we went to church uh, three days a week and went up to service at least once, and... Um, we sat in the second to first row every night. So yeah. they line you up by ranking. No, but my dad, it, it was like stroking his ego to like always sit in the front and like, kind of be like an example. Uh, so church. it wasn't, it wasn't reserved for him. He chose to sit there. He just chose. Got and like, it, no okay. one else wanted to sit there anyway. So got it. Okay. This is really, <laughs> yeah, it looks normally they like grind it off with like a, like a dentist Standard? tool? Yeah. Okay. So. We need to be back at class at 1020, right? 1015, I think. What time oh, okay. It? It's 1005. Okay. So I think it's the end of this segment. Okay. There might be more. There might not be. We'll see. All right. Sounds All right. good. See you later, audience. And we're back. A week <laughs> later at the end of the trading now. I don't remember what we talked about last time, so it's probably not going to be continuous. But, you know. Yeah, here we are. Uh, I've lost my voice a little bit from partially from getting sick and partially from screaming so from much. From joy? emotions moving emotions moving you know kind of both but yeah i don't remember where we left off i think we were talking about ayahuasca and tantra (laughs) yeah so i don't know if you can hear in our voice but i definitely feel like a different person i mean i feel like just more like me like more deeply seated in my truth yeah 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 we did a lot of emotional release this week archetypal stuff a lot of processing yeah oh i want to share that I mean, I've received Sacred Spot quite a few times when we met in the training where they did that in a very different way. This was the most... Sacred Spot is a ritual where you're internally massaged. So for a man, it's in his butt. And um, <laughs> and it was it was crazy. Like, it was super... Actually, tying it to the beginning, it was super psychedelic, transporting to a different mm. non, non-time space. It was nuts. Why don't you expand on that? What did you experience emotionally? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I shared this in the group because so you've heard this, but uh, 
I, when I during one of the screaming portions, I was yelling, uh, and I heard my mom's voice come out of my mouth. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, why do I sound like my mom? That's strange. And then I just started remembering, like, all the times that I pulled away with her. Because she was very overbearing, like, especially around sex. Like, she'd want me to date. She'd cut the balls off of any girl who liked me. Um, cut the balls off? Yeah, you know, preferably. Cut their, cut her, cut her cut, ovaries Cut her ovaries out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In some form. Like, um, and I always, I, I didn't share this with the group either because it's, it's a story. I'll tell you the story. I, have, I felt like we had like a, a reverse Oedipus complex where she wanted to fuck me. Like that's why she was so like oh. controlled. Which I, I mean, not, not literally, but like on some like, you know. She was smothering. She was smothering. Smothering. Uh, and uh, still Smothering, sees, mothering. Smothering, mothering <laughs> still sees me as like a little boy. Um, anyway. All of that stuff I was able to let go in this moment because I realized, like, she just loved me a lot. She loves me a lot. Mm -hmm. And I've never let that in. And mm. I've hurt her a lot, I think, by pulling away. Um, anyway, that was my realization. It was more emotional yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, you know, when it's not coming right from this profound realization place. And, mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think that that is part of the masculine wounding is, like, feeling trapped like you aren't free feeling smothered yeah and it comes from that's that toxic feminine he's like that smothering needy yeah you know overbearing um because the wounding of the feminine is fear of abandonment betrayal right, right? Yeah, so they like just want to if you're familiar with attachment theory mm -hmm. yeah yeah so they yeah. want to hold on and so i think it was just hard for you to feel her love because you were just so busy trying to get away from it yeah you yeah, know yeah so i i just i was really appreciating that actually coming from you because we've actually talked quite a bit about yeah, you know, filling this pattern in relationships where you yeah. want to run away. And... I wonder if this will affect my relating with women because I mm -hmm. do the same thing in every relationship where I run yeah. away. Unless there's like a reason why I can't, like if like she has another partner or something, like then I feel fine. Like I know, yeah. she, I know I'm not going to be smothered, but so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it does seem like men. I mean, this happen. This can happen at all different ages, and of course, this is not a rule but it seems like men with age they start to get to a place where they decide they're ready to choose a partner mm -hmm. and they're ready to um commit and to make you know just to yeah commit to one person and i don't necessarily think it has something to do with age although it can i think it has to do with having enough of these experiences and seeing these patterns and starting to let go of that wounding you know i think yeah. whether you're, you're you're consciously doing healing work or not you are. I mean, that's what we're all here for. I mean, yeah. everything changes. We're all going. Or you're gonna have to do it again the next lifetime. <laughs> exactly. Maybe, so perhaps. you might as well just do it now. So <laughs> yeah. if you know you have some kind of dark ass shit that's just looming, you might as well just get in there because I promise you, on the other side of that, you're just gonna feel more free, more love, more flow. I mean, I'm just talking to whoever's listening to this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who's listening. I don't know. Maybe my, nobody. My two, my two Instagram followers. <laughs> no, it's more than that. Um, <laughs> I also want to show, was there anything you wanted to say? Um, well, no, just keep going uh, okay. with your thing. And okay, because like, uh, I guess this week has also been really fun. Like we had two temple nights, which are kind of like tantric play parties. And I've never, I'm usually not into that. But here it just feels very easy, I think, because we all feel like a family of some sort. Mm -hmm. um, and yesterday was the first day I really felt com competent with rope and i think mm. it was the setting i was cool watching you do that actually. thanks thanks yeah because yeah, i mean i've done it a lot like with lovers in a private setting but it was the first time i had like eight people just sitting there watching me mm -hmm. i was like oh shit, oh, shit if i fuck up now because i fuck up 
every other time I, I miss a, I do something backwards or whatever, but I felt like very in the zone, like, like Adderall in the zone, like that kind of feeling. Yeah. And it felt really good. Yeah. It was, uh, it was really intricate. I mean, you can tell you put a lot of work into it. Nice. Yeah. It was yeah. cool. It was fun tying up the teacher too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know. I was like, who is that? And I go over, I'm like, Oh, I thought it was, uh, our roommate at first, oh. but, but then I realized who it was, and I was like, oh, nice. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, so it's been a great week. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I feel like I wasn't in that space where I wanted to be. I basically just really connected really deeply with one person while I'm mm-hmm. here. I mean, besides you, you're my friend. Like, I already know you, but there was someone that I met here that I really was um, learning a lot from Mm -hmm. and was really validating my experiences as far as like opening energetically and love and like trusting that love to push anything out that isn't, um, that isn't in the highest vibration. So, I mean, I think of course all the BDSM play and stuff was being held in space of love and play. Mm -hmm. It's fun. And um, one of the main teachers, I did get some spankings for her from her and that was fun. (laughs) I had the bottoms of my feet spanked. You can say her name, Lori. She's gonna Lori. be on my show. Okay, so yeah, she's she's awesome. So I got some spankings from her. Um, but other than that, I just did some energetic play and some Yeah. She's so fun. I love her. Yeah. <laughs> I love her. She's awesome. Yeah. But um yeah, it was it's been really healing. Wow. I mean, I feel like I let go of so much and uh I let go of what was holding me back from doing what I really wanted to do. Because the things that were holding me back were actually really uh, superficial and kind of inauthentic. And I was kind of telling myself that I had to do this and I had to do that. And I was going to have to wait to do what I really want to do. And, yeah. I just so the question is, how is this changing your life moving forward? Because it sounds like it already is, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, basically, um, I think that I already knew this mm-hmm. in the ethers, but it just dropped down into physical reality. Mm-hmm. I was feeling a lot of resistance to, like, signing a long-term lease. Mm-hmm. So I've actually been renting a place month to month, like fully furnished, like not wanting to have any material possessions. Mm-hmm. And I just realized like this was my plan years ago, but I'm finally just going to do it. Like I'm ready. I don't want to have really a, a home right now. I just want to travel yeah. and make videos and podcasts. And yeah. As I understand it returns, right? Yeah. And dance and, and love and go to festivals and go to trainings and just be a free spirit in this body. Um, because I really 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 had this experience that I've heard of other people having of being in ecstatic bliss and complete unity with the universe and realizing that everything is love and anything that isn't is just a block and flow mm-hmm. and um, and I was just my whole being was just emanating gratitude there was so much love flowing through me that I couldn't even contain it there were no words I was crying I was like touching my face and laughing and squirming around and I was just realizing, like, I just felt like a free baby, a free, innocent being in this beautiful animal body that I get to play on Earth with. And and that's everything that's sexually, physically, I mean, feeling the full extent of emotion and really feeling it all the way and then letting it pass through me, keeping my chakras clear by experiencing the fullness of anger and love and lust and desire and sadness and remorse and joy and everything in between that's what it's about is experiencing that it's just hallelujah being the point of consciousness (laughs) that wants to be in this body and just like fully being that letting it happen letting it happen so i just want to play now and that's what's changed i mean big 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 breakthrough like yeah 
And I, I do think it's really important to do different things after a training. Yeah. Like, it's like the high wears off after a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think you changing everything is perfect. And I'll <laughs> see you in Bali most likely. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Can't wait. I don't know what I'm going to do differently. I don't know. Differently after this training? Yeah. I feel... Like, well, you're going to Sedona right now, aren't you? And you're going to go oh, yeah, kind of integrate. And... Yeah, I guess so. I yeah. guess so. Yeah. Then you're going to go continue having adventures. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have the adventure of renewing my passport and Sweet. getting rid of some things and making some money and figuring out what I'm going to do with my dog. And so I know, uh, you know, you're, you're starting or, you know, your online brand, but what, what should we expect from you in the coming months? You can expect some, um, radical, uh, sensual, uh, half naked pictures that inspire love, passion, creativity, uh, abundance, and freedom. Sweet. So photos and videos like that. Yeah, yeah, and we have a video coming out on consent. I don't know if it'll be out before or after this podcast. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that video is great, but I feel like some things have even changed for me since we did that video. But I think it's still good. Yeah, well, yeah, we could do more videos <laughs> for sure. Uh, is there anything else you want to share? I feel I feel like we might maybe maybe you're complete. Um, thank you yeah. for being here. Yeah, glad to you. keep having our paths like coincide. Yeah, I like I like our adventures. I feel like when we run into each other, it must be a sign that things are like on, on point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I like having a shower buddy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. Awesome. Well, we just hit eleven eleven on this segment too, so oh, I think perfect. that's a good. Um, where should people find out more about you? Ashmail.com? Is that still a thing? Yeah, Ashmail.com, or you can look me up, Devin Devine, on Instagram. Okay. Yes. All right. (laughs) Adios, people. See you in the next episode. See you later. Probably we'll be with Lori Handlers. I'm not sure. We'll see. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of my work, go to Rwando.com. Catch me on social media, at Rwando. And please do not forget to subscribe.